Hey, music lovers, the Cannamom Show podcast in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at lampkinguitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N-Guitars.com Hey everybody, it's another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. It's me, one of your hosts, Tom, cannabis industry lawyer, and uh, I'm here with a whole bunch of news from the week, including stuff that I didn't see coming and a wonderful moment in weed history. So remember, this is for people over 21 as the adult use industry kind of checks your cards and makes sure that you are 21, but you can be 18 to vote. So there's that. What's up, Miggy? How's yeah, it going I like out it. there? But you can be 18 yeah. to vote. Got to be 18 to vote. But you got to be 21 to use cannabis or to, to get drunk. I mean, it is one of those silly things when you really think about it. Well, you trusting you them about- enough to, to make a decision with who they is going to be running the free world, but they can't tell if they want to actually have a beer. Do you think enough 18 to like 20-year-old lob- like could gather around with the power of their vote and be like, this is what we really, really want? We want weed and beer. We want weed. We want beer. We're sick of fighting your wars. And you don't even let us get drunk. Oh, I don't think so. But uh, we got a lot going on in cannabis news this week. It just kept coming up. And we had something that I didn't even expect break yesterday night, uh, which is interesting. And so there's a new app. There's application windows breaking all over the place. And so one's going on in Jersey right now. New Jersey's got another application window that'll be open in a couple of weeks. Connecticut's got an application window open. This town in California's got a window open and even some other jurisdiction. We'll get to that one after the main news story. Of course, this is all brought to you by CannabisIndustryLawyer.com. That's right. It's our business. You can go over to CannabisIndustryLawyer.com and see if you're qualified or if you already have a license. Just go ahead and click on the phone call icon and leave us a message. So the lead story is... What is the lead story? The lead story is... Illinois Cannabis MSOs Pushing Back on Social Equity Report says. MJ oh, yes. This one, uh, this one actually has an update then as well from earlier. But yeah, the Illinois Cannabis MSO is pushing back on social equity according to this report. So the largest cannabis trade association in Illinois, that is, what do they call this? The largest trade association in Illinois is called the CBAI, the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois. And they said that they oppose SB 3105. And SB 3105 would allow the craft growers that uh, were trying to raise money for a few of them, 
uh, would go up from 5,000 to 14,000 square feet overnight, making it a substantially more lucrative um, pitch toward uh, impossible investors because you know they you really are like driving your top line revenue almost by about 300 percent so but like why five thousand to fourteen thousand why why are people with money afraid of competition you know this is the the great well, thing about america they right aren't they said that they aren't afraid of competition that came out a couple days after the the grown in article that was picked up by mj biz and so this was on the 24th and then that created a kerfluffle and so they uh they came out with some new um, stuff that was reported on Grown In. They said the CBAI clarified its statement because the association does not support the new legislation because it affords no protections to ensure that the benefit of this proposal actually goes to the Black and Latinx or Latinx businesses from whom this category of licenses was intended. The CBAI will only support legislations that bolsters the groups of these licenses were intended to benefit. So they're saying that they aren't against against competition, provided that they're only competing against black and brown people. This is just dumb, though. Like, this, just all this fear mongering about like the plant, the law, like equity versus equality is just dumb. Like, we we we, we should be past this point where it's it's a it's a non it's a non sequitur, right? This is a non issue to, to most people when it comes to like the plan itself. If you see it, you're not freaking out. But yet, because we've imagined the stigma that has, has existed for so long, there is a small portion of people who are in power. That small portion of people that both the Dems and the Republicans are trying to appease, right? Like, did you watch that? Uh, uh, the president's uh, uh, what is it? This the speech last night what the hell is it the oh state yeah the of the state union. of the union that was what we should have actually led with to be honest simply well, because the state of the union was the thumbnail and then relevancy goes like this oh that's what that's about and then people click on it and then if it's not about that they go why did i click on this and so um uh, yeah so did you notice that in the state of the union there was nothing about weed nothing was there was so close yes yeah but it was so close. It's weighted like dodge a bullet of like an issue that like not the war on drugs, but an opioid epidemic. Like the, the war on drugs, the, the epidemic that we've seen from opioids is systemic from the war on drugs. The the, the ignorance, the related. The, yeah, the lobbying, you know, uh, all this fear mongering is going on right now. Um, you know, they want you to think like crime is worse and everything. You know, don't go outside your door because everybody's going to have a gun and shoot you and stab you and. And, and well, still, they did but, change a lot of laws regarding standing your ground since 2005. And so <laughs> I, I did read a report on that where I guess uh, violent crimes have gone up maybe as a result of those stand your ground laws. And probably about like 700 people a year in America are being gunned down because of those changes to laws. But I mean, that, that, that's that's a different issue as opposed to like just rampant erratic crime. And then and also, the, the, but the real issue, the real thing is that the, the distracting part is. <clears throat> there are real killers out there, right? They have, we have real people internationally, right? Like the stuff we're seeing on Ukraine versus the mm-hmm. the stuff that happened. I don't know if you if you have Netflix. Have you seen a um, a case against Boeing? Like it's, no. it breaks my heart to watch it. Like those people really murdered somebody. They knew ahead of time that this was a bad product, but they let it go out. And and, and so like there's this whole greed over uh, what's right, you know. And I, and I think part of that speech. It was just this fear mongering of all these politicians, whether it be dollars or votes, they're afraid to like just push that edge and be like, you know, one of the things that that the 
they need a fix, right? Is the um, the transportation issue, right? The 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 the, the chain. But we reported that fifty six percent of truckers popped on piss tests because they like to have wellness and and be better off. What you could do two issues. You could solve the transportation issue, and you could right. solve the um, uh, like the crime issue, right? Like like the like the employment issue and and, and people incarcerated already, right? You could yeah. do so much. But then they don't want to change the federal laws. They just want to sit there and dither and they want to argue about things that they've been arguing about for 50, 60 years and they don't want to change. And so and then only that, it's also just uh, an aspect and an illustration of how uh, derisive people in power look at the cannabis industry. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it turned out to just be this land grab to see how much money you could take. And then uh, when you stand in the way of competition, your retort is, Oh, we're only not supporting this because it's not going to black and brown people. So you're saying that you don't want to compete against anybody except for black and brown people? Or like, what are you saying? This class of licenses was intended to benefit them. It's like the class of licenses was intended to benefit social equity, but the law was written in a race neutral way. And so, you know, they know that if you're arrested, you're substantially more likely to not be white. And they also know that you're substantially more likely to not be white, depending on where you live. And, right. and then that's how they define social equity. Whether and, and that's really the communities that were disproportionately impacted on drugs with from the war on drugs. Uh, why shouldn't we reinject money into them? But then also uh, people that were arrested or convicted for cannabis offenses. Why shouldn't they get uh, a leg up and why shouldn't they be allowed? I mean, that's that's social equity as well. And I also don't think it actually violates due process in that respect. But when you start violating due process by like saying, oh, you can't get it. Why? Well, because you're the wrong color. Well, it also not it also enables like like so there's no guaranteed success too, right. If these social equity applicants win a license, create a business and then open a store, right. It doesn't mean their farm, their grow, their store. They they have a real hard time doing that because good luck trying to actually get somebody to partner with you, knowing that they can't have control of the business and that you need their capital. Well, so good luck on that. And then it costs, you know, uh, it costs $6 million to build your facility. So the the social equity aspect of the Illinois law has got nothing on that. So like uh, that's one of the reasons why New Jersey did a better job by putting uh, financial source agreements in place so that there would be uh, no ability for the investors to just take over the social equity aspect of it. But with enough lawyers, you know, they'll figure out a way. And that's always part of the problem of prohibition. I, you can bury anybody in lawsuits, right? This is one of the things we've learned about America. No, no, you can only bury people that don't have enough money to fight back in lawsuits. So you can only bury like 98% of the population in lawsuits. <laughs> and the other 2% of the population will be like, $40,000 for last month's lawyer bills. All right, I'll have this pain. Right. And that's yeah. that's part of the problem is you can legally take over someone's money. Like, like when I talked to Paul Stanford, it was insane his... Uh, the way that they try to uh, undermine his, uh, uh, like the the stock options and how they squeezed him out of what he was rightfully his company. He started like there is a legal way to, to still. And this is part of the problem in America too, the systemic problems. As far as like, you know, they teach us like I don't know uh, uh, macaroni art versus how to figure out a ten forty. You know what I mean? There's sustainable things that you should know as an adult, but we don't encourage that or teach that, right? Like. 
talking about people bitching more like, oh, they get political all the time. But how do you think we got here? Right? Because right now there's a systemic racist underbelly on the Republican side that like it's there. And, and, and the shit stinks. You got to call it out because that's you, you can't have that perpetrating in your country. You know? It's, yeah, well... It's been there for 80 years, and now trying to actually get people to take it seriously uh, is going to be difficult. However, the NCAA is helping on that. Oh, yeah. The NCAA has announced that it is going to raise marijuana testing thresholds and proposes eliminating mandatory suspensions in a significant change of policy. And so perhaps in another 10 years, it'll be more... um, accepted to use the cannabis plant and it, you won't be looked at as if you're just some type of long-haired hippie slacker well, long-haired know, hippie slackers the NCA is just another mafia that like controls like the students so they just i think in their best interest that's all they see there is and then again this is why the law should change because it's in the best interest of our society of our of our justice that yep. you know they're our bottom line our endocannabinoid system right New guidelines in line to raise THC threshold established by World Anti-Doping Agency, raising the threshold from 35 to 150 nanograms per milliliter, according to the NCAA. And then the proposal is if there's a positive test, no loss of eligibility if the school provides a management plan and education for the student athlete. However, if they test positive again, no loss of eligibility if the school provides additional management. However, the student athlete must be withheld from 25% of regular season contests if they were not compliant with the original management and education plan. Third positive, no loss of eligibility. However, you have to sit 50% of the time. And so uh, you're still eligible. You just have to bench the person. Yeah, but the the NCAA is just like the FDA of fucking sports. You know what I mean? It's got a little credibility for most people. I recommend you watch the Phil Branco. He does. He covers the NCA as far as and I don't care about sports. I really don't care about anything. But do I was talking about. Do you care about stocks? Oh, stocks! Oh yeah, lots yeah. of stocks. And in pot stocks, marijuana MSO Curleaf is aiming to end talks of U.S. sanctions for its Russian ties. So Curly's holder is taking steps to head off speculation on social media that its marijuana, its multi-state operations will be subject to U.S. economic sanctions. Can you believe that one, Miggy? I just don't, I don't even understand it sometimes. But um, yeah, rumors and misinformation spread during turbulent times, says the Massachusetts-based company, referring to the Russians' invasion of Ukraine. Well, there's a Barron's article that I shared with you before that links the, the like the oligarchy stuff to them. But you know, again, I don't know how uh, the layer of the money is. You know, yeah. this is how all these people who have real money, like not, or just imagine, just fu money. This is fu right. money, right? So Curleaf noted that Boris Johnson's executive chair and largest shareholder is an American citizen, born and raised on Long Island, New York. He has not and has never been a citizen of any other country. However, they also acknowledge Jordan's link to Russia, saying he spent several years working in Europe and Russia and currently has several businesses in the U.S., Europe, and Russia. He owns 22% of Kirillov and in the past has offered praise of Vladimir Putin. Would something like this, though, so like, I mean, it really comes down to the money, if any of it's going back to Russia. Is that what it's coming to? Because, I mean, it's maybe it funded it, but unless they're paying back, isn't that like, they don't have to worry about being frozen, right? There's no... 
I mean, just because they were like buddies. <laughs> I mean, well, that money that money that he's making because of Curleaf has nothing to do with Russia. I mean, he's not right. making that money in Russia. He's making it in Massachusetts or in other states, in limited market states. That's the real thing. That's how you can tell a Russian oligarch is running Curleaf. And he's not a Russian oligarch. He just is friends with Russian oligarchs. And so uh, it's that business model. It's that oligopoly business model of a limited market where it's like, I got this right. It allows only me to do this. Right. But like the, the money that funds like supersedes a lot of these companies, right? Can a lot of it come from these guys? That it's, And again, it's kind of like laundry, right? Like to clean your dirty money. It's like owning strip clubs and whatnot. They own Curly, maybe, but I'm just saying, if it was funded that way. Well, you know, Curly's described its uh, second largest shareholder, Andre Bloch, as a successfully retired consumer packaged goods, also referred to in the industry as CPGs, entrepreneur who is not an active in the company. Mr. Bloch is a U.S. citizen who also holds a Russian passport. Uh, Block was president of Sibnef, a Russian oil company, in 1998, and he uh, consolidated Russia's dairy industry under Unimilk banner and then sold it to the French business Denon. So, yeah, um, clearly they aren't. I mean, but it's the problem that I have with Curaleaf, Green Thumb Industries, Crasco, Trulief, uh, Ferrano, any of the publicly traded stocks. You want to impress me? Go open up shop in Oklahoma. <laughs> you know? But I, I think a lot of the funny, though, because they're so big and creepy, no one's questioned like the. I wonder if there's ever been an investigation, right? They've known about all kinds of, whatever, lack of a better word, shadow money. But, like, they know about all this other money being funneled in, but no one does anything to it until, what, an evasion happens? I mean, you know what I mean? I don't get our priorities when it comes to, like, but I, I heard it's, like, billions of dollars that flow into America. So, yeah, whatever. It's all... Curaleaf trades as C-U-R-A on the Canadian Securities Exchange market and as C-U-R-L-F on the over-the-counter market in the United States because they are not allowed to get listed. Uh, and I'm not sure if they would do well if they didn't have the ability to operate in quasi-monopolistic uh, states. I'm not sure if Curaleaf is actually in Illinois. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but, you know, that's the other thing. Uh, Illinois... 40 craft grows. We might have another 60 coming if they can resolve that lawsuit. But then we have 100 craft grows uh, with 5,000 times 100. So I guess it'd be 500,000 uh, square feet of canopy space to begin with, because that's what you start with 5,000. That 14,000 square foot hasn't passed yet. However, then, you know, you could you could level up. But I want you to remember that 500,000 canopy space is essentially two cultivator licenses in the state of Illinois. The cultivator licenses have 210,000 square foot of canopy. So they're like 20 times the size of a craft uh, grow. But right now everything's on pause, right? Because of lawsuits. So there's... Yeah, they'll move. They'll move this summer, I think. And so, uh, you know, I think that, that those licenses will get handed out in uh, Illinois before the election because of political reasons. Oh, I would hope so. I mean, we've already... Aren't farms losing money? I mean, because you have to first establish the the, the, the crop. <laughs> well, know? and then a lot of the all the craft a lot of the craft grow winners who won, uh, they had to. They're still in the process of raising money, or they sold out to somebody else, uh, or they brought in uh, new capital from friends and family. If they're wealthy, if they're lucky enough to have people that are just sitting on several million dollars, but you know the social equity aspect of it, they don't have that. That's kind of the point, you know. 
Well, and that's been a problem, problem too. I think what's been very un-American about the whole legalization process. But yeah, it's 420, baby. 420 somewhere. Better smoke them if you got them. Let's see what's going on over at the blog at the CannabisIndustryLawyer.com site. Oh, we got a new blog, Mississippi Weed Laws. Oh, nice. Yeah, Mississippi Cultivator License, how to get a Mississippi Dispensary License. We're getting ready for Mississippi. They're going to be they're going to be uh, big time uh, this summer because uh, June should be when Mississippi's first license applications get going. And then, of course, if you do want to head over to CannabisIndustryLawyer.com, you will see that that is a feature and not a bug. And then if you are an entrepreneur that wants to get started, you can fill out that form and see if you're qualified. But if you're already a license holder, just, just call us right there in the corner. There's a little contact us button. Anyway, all good. Then our next story. We got uh, cannabis uh, industry employment grew 33% in 2021. Neat. Really? Well, now, how many states uh, legalized it in 2021? A lot of states legalized it in 2021, and a lot more states added employment. For example, uh, in Missouri, that one really got mature. And so I think Missouri is about a year ahead of Illinois. And so uh, Missouri handed out a lot of licenses for its medical round that it held in 2019. And now it's really starting to hit its stride. Um, So there it is. And 428,059 Americans generated 25 billion in sales or about one quarter of the country's predicted total cannabis market. That's right. The country has a hundred billion dollar cannabis market. Three fourths is untaxed. Damn. Yep. You know, this is the one day it should be hired. There'll be 1.5 to 1.75 million people employed by plant touching cannabis licenses. Cause I'm not included in this, even though all I do is, is weed. Uh, and law and then, you know, consulting and finance and all that. Uh, but still, four times as many today. And they will be generating $45 billion in annual sales by 2025. So that's 2022. We'll probably hit 30-something. And then 2024, maybe crack 40. And then 45 by 2025. Damn. Well, then, you know, does that even account for, like, New York? You know, we're... No, no. Like, that's the thing. Like, New York and New Jersey and even Illinois... They don't have a lot of business right now. They have employees, but they all work for publicly traded companies and they don't really have any uh, middle market companies. Middle market is not a tiny thing. It's a two to $50 million top line revenue uh, company each year. And now, I mean, when you say that you don't have any middle market companies in Illinois cannabis or in New Jersey cannabis or in New York cannabis or even in Florida cannabis, that should just make any entrepreneur who's an American go, what the fuck? Man, well, is, is that because the price point to come in like period that's right the price point to come in and so like with florida i mean if you have 10 million dollars you're not getting that license I mean, maybe if you have a 40 you might be okay maybe and there's going to be a round of 19 new licenses in florida and they aren't changing the rules so how are you going to get that super license who do you know that has the forty million dollars sitting around. You're gonna you're gonna need to get corporate real quick, and then let's go to the country club of Miami, everybody. Miami has a country club, right? Hey, did, or yeah, or you're gonna be soliciting yourself a lot. I uh, I that's why they call some lawyers solicitors in England. It's because <coughs> they like to hang out of car windows and ask people to 
I, I, I mean, I mean, the amount of money to get involved is insane, right? Like, again, respect to the tax-free market right now. Like, like you guys hopefully don't get caught because the reason why it's tax-free is because there's jail time with it. But the non-tax-free or the the tax-free or the tax side of things, you know, once it's federal legal, definitely we need to reconfigure the structure because I I don't think it can handle the intended federal. I wonder even what alcohol is taxed at federally. Because that should be the the comparative as far as like a, a recreational or what like a sin uh, uh, tax, mm-hmm. right? Like I mean, they should all be treated the same. Not one, you know. And again, cannabis is medicine too. Like it's it's such an, uh, a, a weird animal to put in this place. Yeah, and it was a no show at the State of the Union. Our top story: cannabis locked out of the State of the Union address. And, you know, we really can't say that we didn't expect it because it's been locked out of every frickin' State of the Union address. And so this one's getting reported on now by Cannabis Medical News. Uh, and so that's the other thing. Like, who even noticed that cannabis was left out of cannabis, uh, of, of uh, the, the uh, speech by Joe Biden on the State of the Union last night? Nobody. Like- it's not a very large magazine that's reporting it. Well, I would say people like me who, who like, been, like, waiting for over 20 years for just just a chance, you know, like you would think, you know, Carter ran on the goddamn thing. Right. So like when he started talking about opioids, like I didn't even think he was going to mention like uh, any of the uh, uh, pandemics, right. He talked about addiction. He talked about, uh, uh, you know, we will hear treat, you know, but not incarcerated way out of that. Yeah. All the great things, but you know, what would also help ending prohibition with that. That kind of would help motivate and, and wean people off the non-gateway drug because cannabis is not the gateway drug. It's the opposite. It's the, yeah, the gateway to sobriety to some. Nice. Crazy. Yeah, it's the gateway of sobriety to a lot of people. And that's one of the reasons why Cali sober means you yeah. just use weed. That's it. You're sober, but you use weed. And it's Cali sober. Tell you what. But you know what? All this talk about California has me thinking that maybe we should go international. Are, are you ready for this one? If we uh, do an international news and you uh, start off on the bumper next time? Yeah, okay. I mean, we get you the bumper. Oh, hey. What am I doing here? You would just open it all. We got Canada eclipses California 3.9 billion in cannabis sales for 2021. Of course, it's going to eclipse California. It's a whole goddamn country, though, right? I mean, yeah, can we make that bigger? Can we, can we make, can we make that bigger? Cannabis retailers experienced uh, record sales throughout 2021, but the market growth in Showing signs of slowing down from its rapid pace. But, of course, so is it saying comparing to year end or is it comparing it to the state of California? Uh, they're just they're comparing it to all these little provinces there. And you can see how uh, much it, it kicked up. Uh, Canada is its own little uh, redheaded stepchild when it comes to the United States. But the quick and dirty, easy secret of the Canadian dollar is that you multiply it by 0.8 and you arrive at American dollars. And so remember that. And Canada's most populated province. OK, Miggy, what's Canada's most uh, populated province? I'll give you two guesses. Ottawa. No, Vancouver. Also, no. It is is Ontario. Canada's most populated province, Ontario, represents the country's largest cannabis market with a Canada dollar, uh, 1.4 billion in 2021 sales. The fourth largest province by population, Alberta, came in second with $716.7 million. And then was Quebec 
and then British Columbia. I believe British Columbia is where um, Vancouver is because that would remember remember BC, bud. Do you remember oh, yeah. that from the nineties? BC, bud. Oh, yeah, I can Smash them likes if you, if you remember the uh, the BC butt. Oh, and then if you're listening on your commute to wherever, don't forget to uh, go to Apple Podcasts and rate us five stars and then just mercilessly roast us. That's that's what we really like. I like reading my uh, reviews that are glowing, but like mean tweets. It's like five stars. Terrible. All you can breathe throughout the all you can hear throughout the whole show is Tom breathing. Hey. Sometimes you do. Hey, uh, Ontario uh, is the size of Texas. So for this place that, uh, that pulled in almost a billion dollars, they're about the size of Texas, which is crazy. It's kind of lame then, considering the Texas market would be way more than a billion dollars. But I also yeah. want to say that Texas has about the population of Canada. Well, and I, you know, I, I love Texas, man. I just hopefully they get good leadership and they yeah. change. Like, I, I don't know how a guy in a wheelchair could be an asshole, but apparently Abbott has proven that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know. But uh, and Beto's running, so hopefully he gets a chance. You know, and then Sweet. hopefully Texas will have a chance with that because their process, you can't do a petition through, through, uh, with Texas. You have to have the legislation uh, right. initiated, which is ridiculous. But again, like Canada's population is 38 million. Uh, Texas's population is 29 million. And the total sales in Canada was 3.9 billion in Canadian sales, which again, that's not that much because that's in Canada money. And so, like, you'd you'd have to handle that and make, yeah, yeah, it's it's basically $3 billion. But Remember, Colorado sold $2 billion last year. And so Colorado's got like 6 million people in it, not 40 million like uh, Canada. Well, and then also you think about Texas, though, if they were to turn into like a hemp market, too, because there's a whole industrial side that people just neglect, you know. So there's so many opportunities, you know, especially with Oklahoma bordering it that and they could export to Mexico, too, if they had good growers, because there is that demand. You know, sure. that's the thing about the drug market. It's all about supply and demand. We wouldn't have a opioid epidemic drug crisis in America if there wasn't a goddamn demand of Americans wanting this. You know, it's like the thing about the crime bullshit. It's like, you know who's doing the crime? Other Americans. It's not like people are invading us and doing dumb shit. It's not the immigrants coming here. And, and, and it's the people who live here. Not Russia. We don't border <laughs> Russia, you know. <laughs> and then, then the Mexicans that do come across, they're hardworking. Like, they come through a damn desert in days across not to, like, they don't have the law in Mexico. They, exactly. If I was in Mexico, I would run to the United States because, like, you know, in Mexico, the avocado industry will get, be taken over by uh, cartels and organized yeah. crime. You just have no rule of law in there. Like, how are you supposed to do business? How are you supposed to like if you have a contract and somebody busts it? Or like you know, law enforcement. I mean, that's that's one of the Mexico. You know, real problems with real uh, you know organized crime, and a lot of that money is drugs. Well, and then and the reason why that money is drugs is because there's a demand out here in the United States. Like that's who's giving them the money. It's not. Right. There's a cyclic thing going on, and it's just fear mongering about like oh all the all the cartels coming up here. No, it's because of the demand here. If we legalize it and have oh, our no, control of it, because then the cartels just they go to uh, america and they start growing here because our weed's better than theirs and so then they they, they own stuff in uh california and they grow and good for them man you know they're farmers what well, i'm saying the cartels become three-piece suits out here 
that's that's who's it, it right now in America is, is the the people you know the MSOs right now the ones they are we have our own legit cartels as far as that goes because I can't get in any market if I wanted to even if I wanted to get into Oklahoma's market I gotta wait six months just so I get a license so I can be considered a resident that's right so there's no immediate quick answers to any of this shit no there isn't there's no any any quick answers at all see tell you what hey New Mexico Supreme Court you got one well Mexico Supreme Court I can but then there's a, oh, yeah, a bumper is. that we would do regarding trending news yeah I just don't remember this one okay I didn't New Mexico Supreme Court has uh, determined medical cannabis products are not subject to tax. There you go. Uh, out of Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico Supreme Court has determined that medical purchases should be treated like any other medication and not be subject to medical uh, New Mexico's gross receipts tax. Ultra Health, the New Mexico cannabis company, submitted an amicus brief to the, United, uh, the New Mexico Supreme Court last year to demonstrate the legal basis for medical cannabis should be untaxed, just like any other prescription in that state. And they won. What do you think about that, Miggy? That's the way it should be. And that's how I was hearing. Man, <laughs> hey, our stuff is okay until you start bossing it around. And then it just does stuff that's weird. I admit that I'm uh, button retarded when it comes to these things. But, you know, this is how it should be as far as, like, medicine, right? I mean, they don't tax Viagra. So why should you even tax your, 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 your back medicine or your uh, mood medicine, whatever you're using it for? Because cannabis is a multi- a diverse uh, uh, plant. Um, but my question is so, and again, just being the pessimist, dude, is how long before, because now they got recreational, the laws of the recreational, say, recreational cartel squeeze out the medical side because that's what happened here in Washington. They had all these bills that passed called the patient's right and the patient's care, whatever. But all it did was kill the medical market that was out here. Uh, they, they kneecapped it. They found all these different ways to do it, and now it's a small fraction of what it used to be. Well, uh, I don't think that's going to be happening in New Mexico. However, they're making their program for adult use very open. So it may just be more difficult to become a producer uh, of cannabis products for a medical patient than it is for an adult use uh, customer. But, but you've seen it already in Oklahoma where the dollar signs, because it's tax free in uh, Oklahoma, too, I believe. Well, they're the I believe the shops are paying the taxes. I mean, they have a structured market, but there's a recreational side of people eyeballing it. I can see that. You can see that already with the lawsuits coming through the bills that they've been trying to pass. You know, Oklahoma's been doing the Oklahomans have been doing a good job of stopping a lot of these bills. But, you know, agreed. That's the, that's the thing. Right. Like you said. You can bury 98% of the population in lawsuits, you know, and how a lot of these guys, you know, just want to try and get into this is crazy. Or how, like, your market's stymied right now because of all the lawsuits. And then uh, it's not just the lawsuits, it's also the size. I mean, like, we can't throw up a $350,000 cultivation facility and say, let's go. We have to throw up a five, six, seven million dollar cultivation facility. And that's your entry model, the social equity uh, license. I'm seeing Why uh they say they pay taxes in Oklahoma, so there's still the greed end of it because people want to come in from out of state. They're eyeballing that market, you know. This it's a the people big, love money. Yeah. They do so. They do so many dirty, terrible things for money. 
I mean, I'm sure we could be like, hey, you want some money? And that would be like a bit on YouTube. And then we would have some money and then ask what people would do for it. We would get canned from YouTube. They'd be like, you can't do that anymore. No, there's, there's people who do that all the time. Hell, one of the popular channels, Cut TV, they do that, where it's like $1,000, 10 people decide. Or or who's that? Uh, uh, How do you beast? think they treat us if we tried to do it? It's like, hey, what would you do for a thousand bucks? A thousand dollar dab challenge. What happened to cannabis legalization news? Oh, they tried to give away money. Oh, I think we gave away a thousand dollars worth of weed. That'd be the issue. Well, we aren't doing that. We no, I'm just saying that was dollars worth of, of money away in a dispensary to somebody who's 21. You're like, here you go. What do you got to use it on? Yeah. No, for real, people would shoot but their mother. Seriously, speaking of like loopholes outside of the system, there's what's going on in New York. I'm not sure oh, if yeah. you've heard about that stuff. Oh, yeah. Empire Cannabis Club. Empire Cannabis Club. I wonder how long before these are going to start getting regulated. Let's see. This NYC. is the first, the first uh, NYC recreational marijuana dispensary is open. Officially legalized marijuana, they allow smoking in it, and then they don't have any dispensaries. So this really isn't a dispensary, no matter what these people are trying to say about this. This website is... A lot yeah. of the back door or a lot of the, um, yeah, like you said, the loopholes things is, you know, private club, a lot of people say, or BYOB. That's going to be another right. one, too. Right. Uh, BYOB is what they think is uh, a thing. But, you know, no, it's this is this is not a dispensary. There's no licenses that have been issued by New York. And then New York's uh, regulators are starting to send cease and desist letters to those pot shop operators like, you know, uh, that are just sprung up and started selling. Of course, meanwhile, in uh, New York state, the um, indigenous people at the tribal areas have just leapt ahead of the competition and started uh, opening their own stores. As they should. I've always, I never understood why the tribes wait. They could have legalized it this whole time. Like, why? Why? Why are they waiting for permission? Like, the nation has its own, you know, uh, uh, like self governing slash uh, rules. So, why do they wait? I just never understood that. You know, between all the, uh, I had a fr- have a friend who's uh, uh, up north, up North Dakota, but they would do peyote on, on when he was on leave, and that was uh, excused. And uh, it blew my mind. I'm like, so the sacrament is is okay, but all the Jamaican guys are screwed. <laughs> oh yeah, that sucks. You know what the Jamaican guys would probably enjoy though. I mean, it, it, it does suck that they're locked out of that. What's up? Name that strain, man. Let's play some of that. My name is Bear. In name that strain news, that one. Name that strain. This strain is worthy of its name, I would say. Looking at that, the stigma, and yes, there's more than one stigma in cannabis, and that nugget is covered with it. That all those little red hairs, sometimes called pistol a, uh, that's that's not what they're called. They're called stigma. Okay. Uh, and so all those red hairs just in covering the plant. And the one of the girls that I'm going to be bringing down here this weekend, bag seed challenge, gorgeous. Does not have a lot of stigma on it, but uh, beautiful nug structure, though. This one's a nice nug structure. Um, Looks, you know, well-trimmed. They didn't really screw up all the stigma. It doesn't look like it's too worked over, you know? Yeah. I think I I would smoke it. And then if I'm looking at what it is, is it a... um... Oh, never mind. (laughs) I'm reading the wrong shit. Uh, This one 
This strain was created by accident in Topeka, Kansas. Okay. I want you to know that. And no, it's not redheaded stranger. I like, I like it. And then uh, Cannabis Library, sup? Shout out to Cannabis Library. Yeah. Hey, they just hit 10K. Who just? Oh, they did. Good for them, man. Yeah. I, I, you know, us and like the Dude Grows channel have kind of been like flatlining on growth. They grow about twice as fa- fast as us, but they also have like more than twice of our subscribers. No, also no marijuana. Not the lemon tree. Not the redheaded stranger. Um, it is again. Here is the male Hawaiian Romulan, and it pollinated a Mr. Dank's Island Sweet Skunk. That is your uh, clue. That's that's, the, that's it. The fact that it was made in Topeka, Kansas, is pretty damn awesome. Stigma. Like, who who thinks of Midland America yeah. is like for strains? Yeah, no, no, it is hilarious that this is out of Topeka, Kansas. And where did you uh, acquire this guy from? Is this a uh, uh, homegirl or did uh, no 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 uh, Lauren actually compiled this when she used to do our name that strain stuff so she would uh, cut this out and then you know, I think she was just copying them from uh, mm. uh, Leafly but uh, that's that's also where we got the description of this and what's the next article oh the next article is interesting there's shit that I wasn't expecting uh, and then after shit that I wasn't expecting there's also a weed history we'll probably do. I don't know which one we'll do next. I think you know, like, so genetic farms are saying this. It's Kansas, like, it's most likely yeah. Romulan. I'm like, that's that's right. Now, the Romulan's the father. Mr. Dank's Island Sweet Skunk is the female on this cross. And that Ron Madsen nailed nice. the golden goat accidentally created in Topeka, Kansas, which, again, that's fantastic. Kansas is one of the most prohibitionist states. And even it's like Indiana bubblegum, you know, like same yeah. thing. You know, you have these states where you just can't get it, but then they have strains coming out of them. That's 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 really cool. But uh, yeah, uh, Kansas was where it was created. Uh, male Hawaiian Romulan pollinated Mr. Dank's Island sweet skunk. The scent is described as being a combination of sweet, sour, and spicy with tropical fu- fruit flavor. Its full-bodied effects provide a delightful rush of euphoria and creative skunk. Uh, sorry, creative spark. Golden goat's flowering time is between nine and 11 weeks with a golden appearance closer to harvest. And you can kind of see it right there. And not only that, a nine to 11 week flowering time. Dang. I don't think you're going to see that one in uh, production anytime soon. Well, you know, and you know, being that it was grown in a prohibition state, that this was grown in, 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 in like scary conditions, man. Like life or death, do not pass go. Yeah, I don't want to be pheno hunting in Indiana or Kansas. Like trying to make a strain in one of those. Oh my gosh, no. Yeah. But like, can uh, you just meet me on my side where I won't go to jail for? It? How about that? How about you come over here where we don't go to jail? That would be really nice. Uh, so shit, not expecting or? Uh... Oh no, this one was what I thought was trending. Let's hit a trending. This one was going around. College students who use weed show signs of greater motivation compared to non-users. Study finds. Then, of course, this study was done out of Irony Magazine. Irony Magazine researchers are reporting. Oh, I apologize. It was actually published in the Journal of Experimental Clinical Pharmacology. And they tested the stereotype by recruiting 47 college students. 
25 frequent cannabis smokers and 22 non-users, and then provided them with the effort expenditure for rewards task protocol. The 60s should have told them this already. Like, where's not like 90% of your consumers, like hippies in college? Uh, yes, but then like... <laughs> You know, that was the anti-motivational narrative that came out of D.A.R.E. and the National Institute of Drug Abuse. Uh, and the, that was, I mean, like you even remember in the 90s where they started smoking weed and they were still doing them. And then they just deflated. Like, oh, yeah. Like, you used to be and like the dog said that you used to be cool before you started smoking weed. Do you guys remember that commercial? Yeah, I hated it. I, I mean, I was because that then I was in my 20s, so I had already started smoking weed. I'm like, that is such bullshit. But uh, they were still broadcasting that to children because those ads are targeted at children, you know. But I think the problem, you know, as, as I've gotten older and realized too, because obviously those ads are bullshit with the, the marijuana, they're all and again, the gateway supposed to drug bullshit, right? Well, like, yeah, the only thing they had to do to make it so that the kids didn't want it is be like, weed, it's for old people. Oh, my, my joints. Oh, that feels better. Uh, I don't know about doing this. I feel really anxious. Here you go. I can't sleep tonight. You know, and with kids, none of those things really like, manifest themselves unless they're yeah. being raised by neurotic people or it, it, they start to get into their teenage years. But even then, your endocannabinoid system is not out of whack. Maybe when you're like 30, not necessarily when you're 18. But even then, the the use of it is not sti uh, it's not uh, stimming you. It's it's not uh, stopping your progression. As a matter right. of fact, if you're in college, it's helping you get by. Apparently, <laughs> you know. Right. That's right. And then they, that's what they actually put in their findings. Contrary to the a motivational syndrome hypothesis, college students using cannabis were more likely to select high effort choice options, regardless of the reward magnitude probability and the expected value of the overall reward. However, there was not a significant difference between cannabis use groups. There was a medium size effect leading to consistent support for association between cannabis use and greater high effort choices. And so, yeah, I smoke weed. I work real hard. Gosh. But again, the stigma, right? Because it's all yeah. like, like, like Seattle Hemp Fest when you came out here and seen like a hundred thousand people smoking. And it's like from college students, kids, to, to, to grown professionals and then all in between the gamut, right? Like the, some homeless, some uh, in the progress of life in between. Like we're all in different transitions of our life constantly. And, and that's where the hard part of like judging others, but, you know, but we're so divided. We don't see that most of the time, right? Like right. we just think, oh, fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of just thinking, ah, fear. Ah, I hate it. Like, like kill it. But that's the thing. Like I just, as I, as I watch more and more, like the, like last night with the, with the the, the State of the Union. And then I, right. I try to watch that Republican rebuttal, right? Like I really want to give you guys a try. Like I really want to like embrace everybody. But the, the dumbest shit coming out of their mouths, you're like you, you just treat us as you treat your your constituents as ignorant. And you belittle and talk down to them, and 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 they have a small picture of the world where. You know, America is the best place to live, right? If we just go, like, knock out this one law and prohibition. Well, Canada. I mean, Canada is the best place to live for three months out of the year. Mm. But then, like, Canada, Canada, it just sucks. I'm assuming between, like, October and May. I just don't want to be there. Like, Canada needs to annex uh, an island in the Caribbean. 
and, and the universal health care, free college. Well, I'm not sure if their college is free, but universal health care, legal weed. That's the future. That's yeah. like right there. It's like, you mean I can go to a doctor and I don't need to get a second job? Yeah. Oh, wow. But what's the harm in any of this? Like like enabling and, and helping your fellow man, like all this bullshit religion stuff that people abide by and, and want to, you know, like go to war for all the time. If you just like do it in your regular daily lives, isn't that what it's all about? Right. Like any prohibition would be the the, the a big stepping stone to all this, like racial equality, uh, economic equality. Like this is a huge chance for every American. But right. Yeah, I think it it's ridiculous, though, isn't it? Silly, dumb shit, man. And, and that's the thing about the Biden bullshit when he was speaking. It's like, oh, you came so close. You came so close. You mentioned drugs, but you didn't mention the opioid epidemic. It's like, or the, the, the war on drugs, right? Because that's the real issue. It's not the opioid epidemic. It's the war on drugs. It's the ignorance we created, the the the, the lack of misdirection for crime. Like, you know, we're, we put people in jail and not try to treat them. Like, he, want, he talks about addiction. But you didn't talk about like how we're we gonna get there, right? The whole uh, how we have to reassess our, our our way of thinking for when it comes to policing and, and, and treating the streets, you know, uh, and, and treating the and treating the market so that you can yeah. really go from legacy to licenses, and that's where we have a good uh, moment, cannabis history with Tom and Miggy, because it is a story of two states in about oh, the yeah. same amount of time. Hey, Mickey. Uh, when did Oklahoma legalize medical cannabis? 2018. That's right. On June 26th, 2018, Oklahoma voters legalized medical cannabis. Since then, the state has quickly become uh, one of the quickest in the nation to formally implement an effective medical cannabis law. How effective? Nearly 12 1,600 marijuana business licenses, including 8,600 growers and upwards of 2,300 dispensaries. Now, that is uh, a breathtaking speed of rollout of an industry. 12,600 marijuana businesses, over 8,000 growers and 2,000 dispensaries for a population of only 4 million. Um do you know how many new licenses? Do you know when Illinois legalized cannabis? 20. Oh, shit. Where are they? Well, oh, after the, the medical versus. Okay. So adult, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. adult use, the more liberal version of its hyper uh, regulated medical. So it was June. No, it was May 28th of 2019, less than a year later. And in that time, in that three years since they've legalized it, no new licenses except for 40 and maybe another 39. So maybe like 80 uh, new processor or cultivation licenses have been handed out. That's it. There's been another 185 dispensaries handed out, uh, but that is in court. And so now we're talking about not not 2,300 dispensaries for 4 million people, but we're talking about only 55 uh, uh, dispensaries. And then that granted another 55 to the people who already owned it. So they just basically got to double their holding in size. Yeah. So now we're at 110 dispensaries. Well, actually, no, you're at 55 dispensaries for adult use in the state of Illinois right now. Well, the reason why 13 million people, 55, and then there's another 185 that's set to go down the pike 
there are 2,300 dispensaries for 4 million people in in Oklahoma. Do you have any idea the the difficulties in trying to make a financial model between those two poles when you have no freaking people? And so like all the people have to go to your dispensary versus anybody can open a dispensary? Well, the thing about Oklahoma too, I and I, you know, I know I'm preaching to the choir. It's just when I was there when they when they legalized it, uh, right when they passed the law, <clears throat> dude. You before they had uh, medical marijuana, they had CBD, and I've never seen so many goddamn CBD shops. Like they were like Starbucks all over uh, uh, Oklahoma City. Uh, every corner I turned was a big pot leaf or or a green cross sign, but it was just CBD, and then. The law passed where I knew they were already comfortable with the plant. You know, they they had CBD, and apparently a lot of people were using it. Like 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 just everywhere. I never seen so many goddamn CBD shops. And uh, even when I went through Texas, I didn't see as many as I saw in Oklahoma. And 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 then of course they passed the law. And then after they passed, so before they passed the law, though, when I was there for Seattle Hempfest, we did a little smoke out protestable where we uh. uh smoked out uh and hanged out at the, like the hilton or whatever hotel we're at but you know that was their little pre-protest and when i saw so many cbd shops it's like they're so close to being there and then when they passed medical <clears throat> they kept that washington state model you know when we were there they, we gave there was so much lecturing about what washington used to have and how their infrastructure used to be and that's one of the things that oklahoma cling to is like okay you gotta have the medical market there is no medical like cannabis license out there. There's just a business license. You, so you have to be residents. You have to be a patient. And then you get that's your pass. And then you get the, do I want to open a business? Then I have to buy the business license or a farm or whatever the licenses are in that area. That's what you have to right. adhere to. But like that's what you Washington can start. Was. You don't have to like put together something ridiculous. And then like one of these uh, dispensaries, those suckers, I mean, like, again, but we have seen so many pot shops robbed out of Washington state. So there should be security regulation in those. Absolutely. But you don't have to make them even more dangerous because it's cash only. Uh, That's a federal problem though. And and, and this is something that we, we talked about like constantly all the time is no matter when a state legalizes, whatever level of legalization you, you, you get, there's always going to be these statements. You're still structuring the law. You're still structuring the the, the infrastructure of the, registra- the regulation. Goddamn, our Washington State Liquor Control Cannabis Board uh, just put out a statement saying, yeah, no, there is no uh, 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 deliveries. Like, you know, we, even during the pandemic, they didn't ever let deliveries. People were doing their own work around. Seriously, though, in a time where people should be able to, I mean, they, they didn't do deliveries in Illinois either, but they did allow for uh, curbside pickup. Yeah, I mean, that was it. But still, deliveries are a fundamental, like, during medical times, there was all kinds of delivery places. Like, you just go to Craigslist or whatever. Uh, you know, now kids are using Snapchat. I don't know. But whatever internet forum you're using, there's always a place to find a guy. And then uh, legalization kind of stammies that because then now you you put power to the police. Right. It's kind of the reason why there's a lot of more arrests in California uh, going after places that, you know, had medical uh, defenses. But now they're they're selling in a, in a wreck market. You know that that's a shit show going on. You know, there, there's so much more going on. In all these states that have legalized it, the structure to get to the point where we actually have real legalization. because We don't we don't have real legalization for the most right. part. Yeah, but. 
we have, and it makes the industry like ridiculous in the sense that you're trying to understand how profitable it is. And so people will ask you like, how, how much money can I make with this? And I'm like, well, where are you opening it? And then like, all right, well, then here's the lift. It's going to cost you this much to get open. Oh, I don't have that. That's all right. We can tell you how to put together a team. But first, you're going to have to be the person they're looking for. I mean, it's it becomes like this game of uh, hopscotch and like, you know, trying to it's like Ocean's Eleven. Like you're trying to put together the team to be able to get in and then get the money. And then uh, it, it all works out after that. But it's so challenging. And then when you are trying to interview possible uh, you know, suitors or investors, uh, trying to like decide, discern their intentions are, is really tricky. And then also, um, you know, when people are expanding, they're expanding their business, not yours. Right? Oh, yeah. so they already have ideas and, and brands and things that they want to do. And they really aren't buying. They're buying what they call the paper. They're just taking the license is what they want. Yeah. They don't want it to be your license. They don't. So this social equity conundrum that you have then uh, it, when you have the capital people that aren't the people that are going to win the licenses. So I just figured that social equity a little bit and then using uh, the uh, Oklahoma to Illinois justice to position as an example, that the difference there was one had like open market. The other one had this social equity limited, super limited market. Which one's better for the uh, patients, for the industry, for the small business owner? The better one is the open market. Yeah. Oh, you could fail. Yeah, you can. Why is your business a sure thing? This isn't Russia. It's not that you're going to make all the money because you're the person who owns all the oil in this country. That's not how it works, you know? No, exactly. And that's why, like, you know, doing this with you now, we've been out with three years now, just learning business three overall. Years. And it's like, you know, and as I get older, I realize there's more involved to like actual like business and licenses and permits and like like watching. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've seen on Showtime there. There's that uh, documentary now or, or show with, about Uber and how mm -hmm. the guy uh, had to get funding, you know, like angel investors and all that shit. He was Thing just is, lying to everybody, right? Huh? He was just lying to everybody. No, no, he wasn't too bad, actually. It was actually a, a great concept, except they he got he kept getting shot in the dick by like the state, the city. They were like trying to the permits and the taxis and all this stuff, right? He kept fighting them and all this other stuff. But the thing is, they bled money out of him. And this he had this angel investor who threw millions, millions at him just to fund the the staff and the and to keep losing it. A lot of these people like Bezos and Amazon. They lost millions in the beginning because the big picture is you're right. They they're you're not moving your store. You're moving their store. You know. Right. Yeah. And if and like so Med Med, I'm going to go make billionaire friends. I'll be like, just give me a few million. All right. Here's your million dollars back. But like, you do with it? why does it smell so funny? Hey, <laughs> and here's your million dollars back. But, you know, and then I, I, I just, you know, it's hard to kind of access that kind of money. And that's why there's so many like arc view. And then the people that you deal with, you know, to try and like, how do you have a $2 million conversation? Well, you know, when people in arc view, you like, you talk to them, it's like, we just really want to buy the license. You're like, all right, well, it's going to be really difficult. I mean, I'm glad you've raised money, but now you can't deploy it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's it's just how it is. This industry is, you know, crazy. And that's going to be one of the spots that we're going to start. Uh, we're going to nuke bumper on something because then I can use that playlist as examples of information about uh, operations in the, in the highly regulated cannabis industry as a showcase of our services that we do over at the collateral base. But this industry is so unpredicted unpredictable like there was some stuff that i just didn't even see coming uh, okay. and so i got a bumper on that man i do
Okay. Cannabis Industry Lawyer here with some news out of Illinois. Uh, yesterday on March 1st, they dropped new transporter applications. And so you can again apply for being a transporter in the state of Illinois. And not only that, if you already won uh, a transport license, and a lot of people out there have, uh, you have until August 15th to accept your license and pay your application fee, uh, which is fantastic and kind of strange. I didn't think that they were going to uh, have another application window for transporters so fast at all, let alone it's open now, closes April 6th, but that's how the unlimited license is. This would be great. That's how Illinois hmm. should be doing it. And then they can have it done along the same lines that New Jersey's doing it in the sense that a locality, for example, Detroit's doing it this way, that we want 75 dispensaries in our jurisdiction. Chicago, yeah, we want 150 you know, dispensaries in our jurisdiction. Those municipalities could set the rules and the numbers, and then you can have this unlimited, limited license. Like you see in California, uh, there's a new application window in a small city in California as well. Other shit that I didn't see coming. Those um, transporters. So that's just a, but that's just for the guy from from farm to the store, right? It's not like, hey, I can take it to your city house. City of Red like, Bluff, huh? City of Red Bluff. That's the city in oh. California that has an application window right now. We'll go over that app here in just a second because it is what I like wow. to call a complete competitive application, just like Illinois's application was. But uh, back into the Illinois story that I didn't see coming. So transporter licenses are out. Uh, you can apply now. Individuals that previously applied and did not receive an eligibility notice can reapply using all or part of their pri uh, previous application if they choose to do so. This is fantastic. For example, is this going to be followed in other licenses to make it easier for the people that didn't get through the first time to try to get in the next time? Uh, I don't know, but there's there's supposed to be another 50 dispensary licenses handed out. So, I mean, which is nice because like we won. Uh, one of the ones that I wrote and then some of the other clients that I had that I just kind of quarterbacked and, and reviewed stuff that other people did. They also won, but uh, the grow, like we need to, the grows need to get their dispos. And we think that uh, Craft Grow could probably feed about three to four dispensaries. Um, and so that, that Craft Grow, three to four dispensaries, that's not bad. And then with the math that I see, uh, I can get that done. Of course, you know, the, the, the sick part of it is it's like, well, cut me a check for a half a million dollars. No, I can guarantee that I can get you if they don't change the rules like you can. And then I can show you the math on it. Be like, here's why I'm guaranteeing you this. Do you this think many applications based off of this number? Yeah. Yeah. But do you think when the, the one federally happens finally, do you think these caps and states will come to an end and then like real capitalism no. can take over? No, no, no it's going to be just like beer. And so you're going to have your distributors. And that's going to be important for interstate commerce. And then you're going to have only licensed producers. And that's going to be important for interstate commerce. You're going to have your taxes collected probably on a weekly basis like they do. And then inventory control. However, I think it's going to be more open. And then you might see export import amongst the states. For example, uh, Budweiser is a good example you may see Budweiser's in the sense like this. Like if I was a cannabis operator, there's really only about like seven different locations in the country where I would want my farms. And, and so then you would buy and build huge farms there, just like Budweiser bought and built huge breweries all across the United States to assist in their distribution of their beer. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I guess like, but like see Budweiser, 
So who's going to be the next Budweiser, right? Because there's got to be somebody oh, we who's don't already know. in we the market, somebody that's already established. No, because... no. Like Again, like all of those people that are publicly traded, they exist in a market without competition. So their numbers are garbage. It's gobbledygook. It's garbage in, it's garbage out. Whoever comes out of like Michigan, which there's some players in Michigan, or a California, or uh, an Oregon, or a Colorado, then it becomes so difficult to create that Budweiser aspect where how do you get that brand in every state? Yeah. Because well, you're going through all these different lines. And then the when you legalize beer, you didn't legalize it like with weed where you have community and betterment and engagement plans. And so like, I just had to write a community, uh, like, what are we doing for this community? And you go in, it's five pages. And so like, you fill out all five pages about how you're better. And then you ask every element, cause like, they'll say, do this and that and the other thing, and don't forget this. And so you, you ABC, and then you're just writing all this stuff out and you're, you know, shrinking white space, but yeah. staying compliant with the fonts. And uh, that's what we could talk about here. I mean, like, this is how the applications all work. Uh, and so the application here for the city of Red Bluff, hope I, I may, you know, we'll see. I mean, client might want to do it himself, or not, may not become a client. But look at the look at the fee, a local fee, five grand. And then um, you you know, and they say what it is. It's a competitive application selection process. So that means you need a complete application. And then they explain, you know, so everything in here is what you need to provide. But that's fairly straightforward. Uh, and then these are the types of disclosures that you always see. Uh, and then this number here, this is at 20%. This changes. Illinois might do 1%. New Jersey does 5% or 10%. And then you have the contents of the application. So business plan, community engagement. See, we were just talking about that. Community engagement plan. Can you imagine if a brewery had a community engagement plan? Uh, how are you <laughs> going to engage the community? Every Saturday, we are going to play bags. But it's just wondering, like, 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 it's so funny how cannabis is this one plant, this whatever, uh, whatever the legal legislation regulation happens, right? There's these extra steps about like damage to the community that happens, but doesn't happen. Whereas a bar, if you're like, go to a bar at like two o'clock in the morning, damage. watch it. But then you also like living wage provision. Excuse me, if you want that liquor license, where is your provision for providing a living wage? Location. You're not allowed to be near anything, of course. Yes. Local business partnerships. Excuse me, mister, who wants to make vodka in my community. Where are your local business partnerships? Uh, right. Neighborhood compatibility. Uh, this neighborhood's a really chill vibe, bro. Uh, and then security plan. <laughs> you see this all over the place. But then it actually, and then, so this is how you would organize your plan. Uh, and these would be all the elements. And I would draft every single one of them. And it says with as much detail as possible. I'm like, all right, well. Because with some business plans, you can go on for 50 or 60 pages and, and you can. And then if you're in a competitive app, you're like, well, I my, mine was 800 pages. This was just 60. I think cannabis can be such a unique thing when it happens federally because there's a lot of things that need to be recognized as far as community. If you're going to be a business involved, right? Like, did you see what's going on in South Dakota? No. Dude, I, I'm really excited to share this one. I got to check this out. Come on, share South Dakota lawmakers revive marijuana legalization bill and smoke out vote a day after committee defeat. So I guess a right. bunch of people showed up and started smoking out. There was a smoke out in South Dakota. I yeah, love it. Exactly. So I coalition of South Dakota lawmakers on Tuesday agreed to revive the bill. Uh, legalized We're making marijuana. more South Dakota content. I need to get some more clients out of yeah. South Dakota. 
I wonder if there's any footage for that uh, smoke out. That'd be great. Of course, then again, they're all putting, admitting the, to a crime. Is that smoke in the building? No. Well, it's South Dakota. It could be gun smoke. You know how they like to, they, they start all their meetings by firing their guns into the air and saying, oh no, Senate Bill 3 legal recreation was just smoked out on the House floor. Speaker of the House bill said marijuana just made the threshold and told the floor we just smoked out a weed bill. Oh, that's just some, smoked out a weed bill, bro. Uh, we call it um, lingo or uh, play on words, but still. Wordplay. Hey, let's go back to seeing what you need if you want to get this dispensary in the city of Red Bluff. That is, uh, it's not in the 707, but it's a little bit north of the 707. Uh, Living wage provisions, don't forget that. Don't forget to pay all of your employees a living wage, Mr. and Mrs. Bartender or bar owner. Uh, Community (laughs) engagement shall include past, present, or planned activities that demonstrate the understanding of the city of Red Bluff's community, its values, how the commercial cannabis business plans to integrate in the community and involvement in local nonprofits and charitable volunteer organizations. Wow. That would be, I mean, do you have any idea if all bars had to do that, how much more friendly and like inviting beer drinking nights would be? I mean, it would just be, uh, I think, I think bars need to get out ahead of this. You know, I'm looking at good the, neighbor. The, the, the city itself, right? And it's neighbor next to places called Blunt and Hooker. I'm just saying, uh, but still, why why would they have to have so many demands for uh, cannabis? It's, it's ridiculous, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. As I'm looking, it's off the. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the problem. I tell you what, this is a proof of capitalization in the form of documentation of cash or other liquid assets on hand, letters of credit or equivalent assets. And I'm assuming you have a letter of credit. You also have to show them the money. You just can't say like, no, no, I got it. I'm going to loan it to Jim if he wins. Uh, budget construction costs, all that. I mean, putting all this stuff together is an endeavor. It is a lift. It takes a while to put all this stuff together. And then there are 25 points each times five, so 175. And then does it tell you when you have to submit it? That's the only thing that I really didn't see was a uh, submitted. But they do have a notice of deficiency aspect on it. So that is fantastic. A 10-day notice of deficiency. Expect several of those. Uh, site plan. You have to get a site plan. Does it need MEP? Does it need to be MEP? Or is this going to be uh, copies of submittal for agencies? Maybe you don't need MEP on it. Because that can make it really expensive. Getting MEP on some of these buildings, they can be sixty, eighty, hundred thousand dollars $100,000. Uh, and MEP is uh, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. Yeah, no, that that application right there is an example of why I didn't apply in Washington State. Oh, really? There, there, like, there's, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all the requirements that, like, and speculation for, like, if I get this, right? Because you do need to have a floating bank account of 20K or so, just 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 for a little bit for the small guy, you know, just, to, just, for, a, just for a lick. Just can't, just, don't the little guy get a lick, you know? Just, 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 just a, just a, a glimmer of hope. But I don't have twenty, thirty k to, to to float around like that. You know what I mean? Oh no, it, no, that this application's budget's not twenty or thirty k. This application's budget's probably closer to hundred, uh, sure. depending on how well you want to like really approach this. Uh, and so that sucks because like I haven't started, like I haven't looked up this city or like you know I don't like to do work unless I've been hired. Uh, but um, it's one of those deals, though, where you can see and then try to figure out what the valuation of a dispensary is going to be based upon uh, population and density and, and uh, movement of humans. And I actually use Washington State's data. That's one of the things that I'm kind of stoked about for March is you know, working with my financial modelers to make a dispensary model that 
that I think is more accurate than a lot of the other dispensary models that are out there. But then we would still need a dispersion quotient. Uh, and so I haven't come up with a dispersion quotient. Isn't this fun? This is what you're going to do. You're going to make financial models to apply for cannabis licenses that nine other people want as well, you know? Well, that's the thing about like regulation and um, kind of like when I, we talk about the GMP stuff, like, you know, that, that's what I do for a living. But, you know, my niche is RF, right? Like I, I work with uh, metrology and, and checks and balances and all that shit. Whereas you do the legal Spiegel backbone understanding of the of the of the contracts and stuff, you know, because, you know, I, I've been a hands on guy as far as like technical work goes all my life. And you've been technical paperwork guy pretty much all your life so you know powers of two one or twin powers yeah well then it's also the finance the problem that i have with finance is that i live in the middle of a cornfield and so that's all right i mean because like i i I grew up reading about like warren buffett or um uh uh, mr thorpe ed thorpe and you know princeton uh newport partnership so like you're in newport california like you're running a hedge fund like it really doesn't matter that you're but when you're actually they weren't out really actively raising money um money was started coming to them. But, you know, that's a, it's a good question. You know, I, I was planning on going to Chicago to try to network now, but yeah. I still need to put that into work so I can get up there and, and, and network because you have to put the right team together yeah. uh, and then, you know, get enough down payment money so that you can access the credit so that you can build a facility that might cost 5 million bucks or 15. Just or being operational. Yeah. Yeah. A legal market. A legal market, a regulated yeah. legal market. But, you know, I wanted to, before I wrap up, because I'm about to, it's it's nice out in Illinois, and I should take a walk nice. before I get back to making an org chart. Uh, org charts, do a workshop on them or something. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's let's give uh, credit out to where credit's due. Everybody who tuned in, thanks so much. Hey, uh, yeah, man. The, the members. Well, hey, people have stayed so far. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's just weird to me that like, people hang out with us. Like, like I really appreciate the ones that are just non-douches and just like, it's a, it's a friendly company. Oh, by oh, the way, we're going to have Chad. Yeah. Yes. Talk about a guest on Sunday. Talk about Chad Westport, Sunday. Grower yep. extraordinaire. Yep. And we're also going to ask him about, you know, do we need moderators? Because, uh, like, we don't have any moderators for the channel. I think maybe we should get some no, so, so that hard. the chat's uh, a little bit more productive. Yeah. But then, you know, uh, that's something for maybe our members. If they want to become moderators, we can let our mo- members become moderators. Uh, and then, you know, we'll, we'll continue to make these. I'm thinking that if I if we can structure the show so in like an hour we can make seven different pieces of content and then we recirculate them. One of those pieces of content, though, should be about getting cannabis licenses because eh, it's kind of what I do. I mean, they have to. <laughs> I can't help the cannabis company unless they have a license. And so yeah. you really need to kind of start there, you know? I got you. Yeah. But then again, this is what I think overall, because you're actually involved in the industry, the legal recreational industry, right? You got hands right. in different parts of states and conversations. I'm just a guy that's like, hey, another person got fucked. But hey, yeah. it's wrong. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, tune in on Sunday. We're going to be talking to Chad Westport all about cultivation. See you then. Thanks. And we are, we are Audi 5000. Thanks for hanging. (laughs) Thanks for hanging, everybody. Don't forget to join the channel.
all those members. We got Tasha saying hi. We got Mike. What's up, yo? 